coming to you from stolen equipment and broadcasting from a pirated signal located somewhere in Southern California. This is the Danger Hour Podcast. Oh my God. Danger Hours back. I'm your fancy pants host, Jamesy Poo. And oh boy, did I think I was retiring from podcasting. That's right. It's going to hang up my headphones and submit my microphone to that one famous museum that has famous things in it. <clears throat> oh my God, James. Are you referring to the Smithsonian? Uh, that's probably, that's probably the one. I don't know. Uh, but here I am, just when I thought I was an insane spot in need of some desperate help. But Nate Dong and the G-Chow were it. Shut up, James! Ah, I'm sorry. My fragile brain's delicate. I hear little things and it triggers me. And I run off the rails. That's called ADHD, James. Yeah, you're probably right. But, uh, you know, here and, here and there I hear little things. And, you know, just like, for example, I might hear someone say, Well, one day, and I'll be like, oh, wait a minute. <clears throat> James, don't, you're not going to actually do it, are you? <laughs> no, I'm not. One day, I saw a child playing with a ruby the size of a tangerine. The bandit had been throwing them away. So why steal them? Well, because he thought it was a good sport, because some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. So they can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. So one day, James, shut the fuck up. I'm telling you, man, I'm giving you examples. Nobody cares. Uh, someone out there cares. Uh, another example, when my fragile little brain gets triggered, is when someone says buttfuck. Oh my god, James. How often are you around people that say buttfuck? James, maybe you're the constant. Uh, well, maybe you're right. But uh, well, I don't mean it like that. I mean, they're saying it uh, in just general conversation. For example, if I can think of one. Someone uh, might be in a hurry and they're like, Oh man, I was going to bring you, but fuck, I forgot. Ah, you just said buttfuck. <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> Trigger. Triggered. James, are you really going to go through every goddamn example? Listen, this is the danger hour. What are you expecting at this point? I mean, this is episode 254, and this is the kind of quality you can expect. And if you don't know, now you know, motherfucker. James, that's not what this song says. Uh, I'm not going to fall into that trap. Mm-mm-mm. You ain't going to cancel me. I was born tonight, but not last night. All right, at the top of the show, everybody, let me make an announcement. I am once again reached celebrity status now we all know we all know that i'm already on the celebrity spectrum oh my god james you're on some kind of spectrum uh yeah okay but uh (laughs) hey you really know how to take the wind out of my sails don't worry james there's plenty of hot air coming out of both ends of you to keep your ship going okay sassy all right um what i'm getting to is that i was once again on the radio waves. That's right. I was on KLOS once again. You did a guest spot, James? Uh, sort of. I called in to, <laughs> to participate on a topic and once again reached fame. Levels on which the likes you have never seen. 
the topic was, what is the craziest thing you've seen while you're at work? Now, I've had a lot of jobs. I don't know if you know that about me. If you've been listening, then you have. But uh, you know what? This, this, kind, this podcast is so irregular, like my bowels, that you might forget a lot of things. It's like the, watching a fucking, the shows on Netflix, and then they take a two-year two break, and you're like, well, I forgot what happened the last season. What's, who's that guy? What did, what did he do again? Oh yeah, didn't she didn't she do something to that guy? <laughs> I need to go to YouTube and watch a recap. So just like watching an old show over again, I'm going to repeat some shit, and it's not going to matter anyway because you don't remember. So who cares? Uh, everybody wins. So I've had a lot of jobs, mostly because I'm a loser, and, and I was just bouncing around, and I didn't like anything I was doing. Now uh, you might ask, "Hey James, your first job." Why'd you leave that? It seemed like you had some promise. Oh, you mean pulling carts at Sam's Club? Yeah, there was a whole lot of opportunity, whole lot of upside for me there. But I decided to move on with my life, <laughs> on to bigger and better things. You know, uh, the funny thing is, I was the cart person, making I think uh, what was it like ten bucks an hour or some shit, maybe less. Who knows? And uh, I only worked there for like seven or eight months, my senior year of high school. Mm-hmm, I'm a go getter, and. The, when you when I would walk inside to drink water and stay in the air conditioned coolness, I would get fucking bitched at by the management. Like, hey, get outside because of the the optics. <laughs> you believe that? Yeah, you you know you shouldn't be in here hanging out. Go outside. Like, what the fuck? Go hang out outside. But it's hot out there. Fucking assholes pulling cars with my with my own made rope system. You know that they didn't, they didn't supply my own rope. I had to go buy a wooden round cylinder drill a hole through it and get this like black nylon fucking military style rope and a metal hook and make my own cart pooling system <laughs> ah. anyway uh yeah i left that uh, another fun fact it turns out the bearded cunt worked at sam's club uh, as a cashier so yeah he was he was better than me i don't even, i don't recall i think he worked there after i left uh but yeah, he was uh, he was on the upper echelon of Sam's Club. I, I was the peasant. Anyhow, I moved on from that. Went to live with my parents in uh, Riverside. That's when they moved. Actually, they moved while I was in high school. And I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm staying my last year, man. I'm not going to change up schools my last year. That's lame. So I stayed with my grandparents. And then I went to live with them for a bit. And that's why I left uh, the glorious job at Sam's Club. I moved out there. and went to college for a while. And I was like, you know, I should probably get another job. Uh, how about Carl's Jr.? <laughs> you know how long I lasted there? About three weeks. Fucking hated it. When I got hired, the manager guy, he was this gay dude. Uh, it wasn't obvious, but it was obvious to me. Your gaydar is pretty strong, huh, James? Oh, it's out there. So is your scruff profile, James. <laughs> oh, you son of a bitch. I deactivated it. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm having an interview with him, and he goes, uh, he's like, so um, this job is for some, he was a Mexican guy, but he was, uh, he was a dandy. This job is for someone. We need someone very strong that can lift the uh, heavy boxes when we take our when we get our shipments and uh, put them in the freezer. Is that something that you can do? Do you have a lot of strength? I'm like, uh, yeah, I think I can handle it. Whatever you throw at me, I can handle it. Is that is that right? Well, um, you're gonna get a whole lot of things thrown at you. I'm like, all right, I'm, <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> what he didn't what he didn't tell me was that uh, the shipments come like once a week and. Only lasts a few hours, and the rest of the time, you're going to be working in the restaurant, like making food and shit. I'm like, oh, fuck. So here I am, 
working the fries because I wasn't good enough to be on the burger assembly line. <laughs> Once again, not the upper echelon. And then they sometimes they'd have me go wash dishes in the back, and I fucking hated that. And then went one day, this fucking dude goes, uh, this real asshole manager guy. He's like, "Hey, you, I need you to to clean those uh, the grease traps above the deep fryer." I'm like, "Oh fuck!" All right, and I'm doing it, and it sucks. It sucks. I hate. I'm hating my like my whole existence at this point. And I'm just thinking, like, you know what? What the fuck am I doing here? I was like, I am not doing this shit. I am better than this. And uh, I just go, I go up to the manager and I go, hey, uh, I'm not feeling good at all. And he goes, I'm like, I got to go. And he's like, no, you can't go. And I'm like, I'm feeling sick. He's like, that's okay. Someone else is here. They don't feel good, but they're working. So you can work too. And I walked out of that room and the rage that flowed through me. And I went back to that sink and something told me like, hey, you going to let him do that to you? You going to take that? Huh? And the other part of me was like, but you said you'd take anything they throw at you. So you have to take it. And uh, I was like, you know what? Nope. Not today. And I just walked right out the front fucking door. Never to return. <laughs> A part of me feels really sad about that and also empowered. James, are you going to go through every detail of every fucking job you've had? No, no, I guess not. So after that, I got a job at the hospital. My mother worked at the hospital. Loma Linda University Medical Center. She was able to get me in there. And the job was pretty much like a, it was called a courier. And I would drop things off, including people, specimen, medical equipment, uh, laboratory shit, blah, 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 blah. If something needed to be transported throughout the hospital, I was your guy. Me and a bunch of other flunkies. And it was kind of cool. Like It was kind of felt like a spy because you'd have to go into random phones you'd see throughout the hospital and you, you pick up the phone and you dial your little code and it's like, uh, next job is. And then it would give you your next job and you press like seven or whatever the fuck it was. Like, all right, you're locked in now. Then you go do it. And once you're done, you call back in. And like, all right, I'm done. And then you get a new job, blah, blah, blah. So you do that all day long. And it was actually a pretty cool job. Saw a lot of crazy shit, and that's where this whole thing comes into play. What's the craziest thing you've ever seen while working? I scan my Rolodex of jobs. Nope, wasn't Carl's Jr. (laughs) Wasn't Sam's Club. You guessed it. It was the hospital. Where can you see some crazy shit, everybody? Working at a hospital. All right, James, move it along. All right. So this job gave me access to every fucking department in the whole place. Not everyone can do that. You know, my badge worked everywhere. The operating room, the emergency room, the lab, the fucking basement where who knows what they're doing down there experimenting on people and pigs or whatever. That's right, pig man. I got to go all over the place. And one day. Oh, I got a few stories to be honest with you. A lot of dead bodies. Uh, so <laughs> we'd pick up the phone. This is the worst thing that you, that you didn't want to hear. Because there was recordings about what you're gonna, what your job's gonna be, right? You pick up the phone, you dial your little code. Okay, next job is, and the recording was be like morgue patient, and I'm like, oh, and the, the tingle down your spine, like, oh no. And then the, the chick would be like, go down to the morgue, to the morgue wreck, and that meant you got to go down there and you got to take a inventory of who's in the morgue, right? You got to look at the body bags, you got to check the toe tags. 
There's one on the outside of the bag and one on the body on the inside of the bag. And you had to verify the right person's in the right bag. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I never fucking did that. I looked on the tag on the outside of the bag. I'm like, well, that checks out. <laughs> no one else I knew did it. They just checked the outside of the bag. They wouldn't open the bag. Nope. Not today. So, uh, yeah, dude, you have to go down to the morgue, which is literally, literally a fucking, a, 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 like a refrigerator. Like you're walking in just like a Carl's Jr. walking into the freezer. And there'd be a bunch of uh, gurneys with like the metal trays and there's bodies laying in there. And then there's some on the walls. And they had like a forklift thing, a hand truck thing to take the bodies off the walls and put them on the, the gurneys and blah, blah, blah. Just to paint you a picture here. And at, at the most bodies that you'd probably have in there will probably be like maybe up to 20. Uh, there was a couple times there'd be a shitload of bodies in there. And you'd walk in and you're looking at the fucking tags. You're writing down the names. And you just have this eerie feeling that one of those bags is going to sit up on that table. <laughs> Your mind starts playing tricks on you, right? And so across from the morgue, there was uh, this room that was always closed all the time. It was never, ever, ever, ever open until the day that I walked in and it was. And I found out that day what that room was. And in fact, it was an autopsy room. And that's when they had the door open, when they're performing an autopsy. Why would they have the door open instead of having it closed like it always was? I don't fucking know. But it was wide open. And that's how I called into the radio station. And uh, once the phone screener answered the phone, she's like, hi, what, what did you see at work? And I said, I walked in on an autopsy. And she's like, oh my God. Oh, that's crazy. And I described it a little bit. And she's like, okay, hold on. Just stay on hold, please. Puts me on hold. And I'm waiting. And they're like, okay. They go to the whole thing. And they go, okay, let's go to the last caller. They go, uh, who, who do you want to hear from? This guy saw this, this guy saw that, and this guy walked in on an autopsy. And they're like, oh, let's talk to this guy. And I go, right, yes, I'm in. And so they go to me. And they're like, hey, James, uh, how's it going? Oh, you see, he walked in on an autopsy, huh? And so I gave him the short version. But uh, basically, this is what happened. This time, it was me and another guy. We had to actually pick up a body and drive it somewhere else. And uh, there were, the hospital has like five or six, seven other locations that are associated with it. And uh, we had to drive it somewhere. I forget where, where it was going, but we had to take it over there. And so we, there was a two-man job. So we go down there, open the morgue, which had like a lock on it. We had to take the lock off and we had the key. And then uh, we go in there and there's the, the door to the left open. I'm like, oh shit. I never saw it open ever. And there's a dude who I've, I've seen walking around before. He was kind of a creepy guy. And he was the guy doing the autopsy. I'm like, well, that checks out. And the body on the table was some woman, young woman, and when I walked in and looked in there, I was frozen because I couldn't stop. I couldn't look away. This dude had had got a scalpel and cut the very like her hairline right along the hairline, and I saw him as he was finishing it. And then he starts to pull down the forehead skin, and it was the craziest, most bizarre shit I've ever seen. And he's like pulling down her skin and like slicing like the little membrane on the inside of the skull and sliding her and sliding her face down. And while he's doing it, her face is contorting in like a, like a mask. It's so crazy. And I'm like, I'm just tr frozen trapped. Like, Oh my God, it's like the craziest, most interesting shit I've ever seen. And he's just pulling and pulling and he starts like 
pulling the top of her hair back, and uh, I'm seeing her skull, and uh, I just could not stop looking. And the guy that I came with is like, oh, shit. He's like, dude, that's crazy. And then I'm just like glued. I'm so fascinated. But this guy was like, all right, that's enough. And he <laughs> he went into the morgue to get the body, and I'm just staring. And uh, I'm like, just like, like I said, just transfixed on this thing. Couldn't look away. And then he's finally, he's like, hey, man, come on, we got to go. I'm like, ah, all right. And then I turn around and he has like the body halfway out the morgue and I'm, I'm helping him push the little cart. And I, I'm looking, I glance back again. And then all of a sudden he gets like the bone saw. And I'm like, oh, I want to see the rest. But we had to go and we walked out. But oh man, it was so insane. So anyway, I told that story and they were all grossed out. Like, oh my God, that's crazy. And then I also said that, uh, I threw in a little extra. I'm like, yeah, and then they told me, they didn't do it to me, but they told me that back in the old days, the new guys, they would take them down to the morgue and then they would like, we'd, oh, let's go, in, let's go inside here now. And then they would have them going first. Then they would close the door and lock them on the inside and turn the lights off. <laughs> you believe that shit? Oh, so anyway, uh, your old pal, Celebrity Jamesy Poo, won a t-shirt from that. <laughs> I was hoping to get a good prize, but uh, yeah, I'll take it. What the fuck? What do you want? Another crazy thing I saw at this hospital. Yes, I'm recycling old material in case you're uh, catching on here. <laughs> uh, I was walking through the OR. And by the way, let me tell you, let, let, me, let me drive down this dirt road real quick. I'll, I'll loop back on the main highway. There was this chick. Now look, your old pal uh, James Pooh is going to seem like a real creep when I tell you this, but uh, it was just young love. <laughs> not really uh, it was it was more like uh lust yeah i'll go with that so there was this chick who worked in the or she was like an assistant type chick she was real young and she was like on the low end of the totem pole in the or uh, I, uh you know what she was a patient retriever person like i was but she worked only in the or so same kind of deal and uh, i would see her and dude i thought she was so beautiful she was uh she had this dark brown hair and these crazy vividly blue ice blue eyes you know the type and she uh, was like a pale skinned chick and just so her eyes popped so they popped so hard right and when i first saw her i'm like oh my god that chick is so beautiful and i was just obsessed with looking at her i just wanted to see her all the time and so my uh my <laughs> oh boy <laughs> oh boy am i gonna am i gonna reveal a part of the onion that you probably haven't known about me but I was kind of a creep. Nothing like perverted, but just a creep. Just a straight creep. Uh, I even did something similar at Sam's Club. So here, here's what I would do. When I was a young creep at Sam's Club, I was 17 years old. And these, these girls were older than me. I know I'm jumping back and forth, but uh, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm establishing a history here, a pattern. And what I would do, I was, like I said, I was the uh, cart guy. There was these two hot chicks that I was like, oh my God, they're so hot. And I'm like a young dope and they're like 20 or 19 or something. And I would check the schedule to see, ah, man, why am I saying? I'm feeling dirty even saying this. <laughs> I think I'm not going to say it. Forget it. James, you can't do that. You brought it up, James. Now you have to share. This is, this is the tree of trust, James. You, you can feel comfortable admitting all the perverted things you did. Oh, boy. Well, all right. I guess you're right. I mean, I could, I could literally go, literally go back and edit all this, but uh, it's too late now. <clears throat> I would check the schedule to see what time they were coming in if I worked that day. 
And I would, uh, I don't know, maybe <laughs> coincidentally be standing around where they park their car when they first show up to work just so I can say hi, you know? Oh, I feel like such a dirtbag just saying that. Maybe some of you were like, ah, that's not so bad. But I think a lot of you are like, oh my God, that's fucking creepy. Yeah, I would, I would be, I would just coincidentally be at the car corral rounding up all the carts at the time they were driving in to start their work. Just like, be like, oh, hey, what's up? <laughs> so this uh, pattern continued. See, my, my plan was, yeah, if I run into them enough, I'm really going to grow on them like a mold. And then, you know, little by little, my charm would just overwhelm them. And uh, they'd be like, oh my God, and there you are again. <laughs> we should tell you go out. And uh, it never worked. And especially not at the hospital. She was not into me because I would do the same thing. Well, this, I, you know, I couldn't do the same thing in the, in the hospital, but I would purposely walk through the OR just by the chance I might see her. I had no, not, I had no business in the, in the OR. <laughs> I had no business being there, and I, but I would walk through that floor and uh, with the hopes of just seeing her, just so I can see her because I, I thought she was so beautiful. And I would talk to her once in a while. I would try. I would try to corner her, and uh, I would just see her. Oh, hey, how's it, how's it going? Blah blah blah. I just try to make small talk, but I was, I've, been, I've never been good at that, and it went nowhere. Oh boy, what a fucking weirdo, huh? Uh, but yeah, I'm just gonna chalk it up to being young, dumb, full of cum. I think I was uh, 18 or 19 when I was at the hospital. Yeah, between like 18 or 19. So yeah, that's that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, in the OR, one of those days, I'm walking through, maybe even trying to scope out this chick, who knows, and I see this crowd of people standing outside this particular OR room. I'm like, all right, what's going on here? This, I never see that. And uh, I happen to walk up there and I peek over the crowd and everyone's just dead silent, right? And I look in and there's a fucking person on the table and uh, you just see the heart monitors flatlined, just beep right and the doctor has his hands lit literally in the person's chest he's all cut he's all wide open and he's he's like pumping the heart manually with his hands another holy shit moment right i just can i can't look away and everyone's just staring at this thing and this doctor's really trying he's really trying hard he's he's not quitting he's just pumping that thing and pumping that thing and he finally just like all right that's nothing's happening here and he stops and he's taking off his gloves. And there's the guy, like his, I think his arms even hanging down off the table. There's blood all on the open cavity of this of his body, and like it spilled onto the table and even on the floor, and just laying there. And meanwhile, the the ventilator is still going. And you see you can see his lungs expanding and contracting, like <laughs> like the whole time, and like this dude's dead, but his lungs are still going. It's like, holy shit. And then they turn off the machine. It's like, all right, that's it. And then it's like, all right, well, back to work. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, you want one more? I got one more. These are my famous three stories from the hospital. One day, I get a call to the ER for a morgue patient. I'm like, okay, this is great. And I walk down to the ER. And uh, the nurse, I always... It was this black chick who was like really fucking cool and we would always joke around when I'd see her. And the crazy thing is everyone you have like everyone 
that works in a hospital has a kind of like a morbid sense of humor because you kind of have to. Um, so I would joke around with her and stuff. So here I am. I'm at the front desk. I'm like, hey, I was going, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, oh, I'm here for a morgue patient. She's like, oh, okay. She's like, yeah, go see that nurse over there. So I go up to the nurse. <clears throat> and uh, I was like, oh, I'm here for the morgue patient. She's like, okay. And then she's like, oh, come with me real quick. And then I go into like the nurse's station, little room, little private office room. And I uh, close the door. And she's writing up this paperwork. And then she like rips a copy off, folds it up. And then she puts it in this plastic slip thing on this cardboard box and uh she's like okay go, there you go i go what and she's like yeah th- this is the this is the patient and it's just a small cardboard box i'm like oh. and kind of stupidly i'm like it's a baby and she's like yeah yeah she didn't it didn't survive the car accident and i was like oh shit like yeah i've never had to take a baby before she's like yeah i know it's pretty tough and uh I grab, I'm getting the box and I'm walking out of this nurse's station room. And like I said, like this is, this is fucking business as usual, man. They see this stuff all the time. And so she says something to me like to the effect of, well, at least it's a lot lighter to, to get down to the morgue or something like that. Right. It was a long time ago, but I kind of like, Oh, I went, ha. Huh. And I kind of smiled and I walk out, I turn around and I'm walking out and then I fucking look to my left and I know it. I know it. The mother is staring right back at me and she's just filled with tears and she's staring at She's looking right into my fucking eyes as I'm holding this box and she knows I have her baby in my hands and I'm smiling and I felt like such a piece of shit and I just wanted to say like, no, 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 like this has nothing to do with, uh, I'm not laughing at you or what the situation is uh, and I just turned and walked away. It's like, fuck. That was like the longest walk of my life after that. <laughs> it's pretty brutal. And speaking of kids, now it's time for Daddy Danger. <laughs> oh, Daddy Danger. Oh my God, James. That's a terrible segue. Well, it has to be done. All right. This time in Daddy Danger, it's a courtesy of an email I received from none other than a friend of mine. Ah, let's just call him, uh, hmm. what's a pretty inconspicuous name? Let's go with uh, Eric. Let's go with Eric. Eric sent me an email. Well, how did he do that, James? Well, I'm glad you asked. If you'd like to send me an email, you can do so. I won't sell it for beer money. Okay, you won't get any spam. It's just me that reads it. You can email me about anything. I don't care. You got a recipe? I'll make it. Do you got a movie suggestion? I'll watch it. Do you got a song recommendation? I'll listen to it. Do you want to send me nude photos of your mother? I'll look at them. As long as they're tastefully done. I'll still look at them. The Danger Hour. At yahoo.com. Okay. Eric writes in with nothing just but just a link, which I appreciate. Straight to business. Okay. That's fine with me. In this story, it says that uh, it happened in Florida. So surprise, surprise. This woman ordered something off Amazon. Okay. Simple. Innocent. The package arrived at her residence where her father also happens to live. And this fuckface thought it'd be a great idea for him to open it himself, even though it was addressed to her. He's a 50-year-old man. you think he'd know better. But nope, he didn't. So he opens the box. <laughs> and its contents are a strap-on dildo. Oh my God, James, what kind? I don't know. Is that important? It might be. Uh, probably not. Let's move on. <laughs> so uh, after he opens this up, 
he takes it to the daughter and confronts her about it. Like, hey, what's up with this? I opened it and this is what I found, right? She gets pissed off. And, uh, you know, rightly so, because I'd get pissed off too if my mom opened my dildo. I mean, something that was meant for men. Oh my God, James. Busted. No. I'm just saying, if, you know. So yeah, I'd get pissed off too. So she's yelling and screaming at him. And then she turns and the dude grabs her arm and that's all it took. She snapped. And she began to kick and punch him in the face. Wait, she kicked him in the face? Began to kick and punch him several times in his face. Yeah, that's what it says, right in the face. Andy face! And then, and then she proclaimed as she flew out of sight. Merry Christmas. Nah, she, uh, and then she said as, as her, <laughs> she's running out the door. <laughs> the words that every father would love to hear. I'm going to kill you. I hate you. There you go. And that's how you know you won as a father. That's how you know you did your job. I'm going to kill you. I fucking hate you. And then she ran out the door. <laughs> Which makes me think of that Beatles song. She's leaving home. It's not going to be like that. Uh, a little bit, but not quite. Quietly turning the back door key. Stepping outside, she is free. She. We gave her most of our life. Is leaving. Sacrifice most of our lives. We gave her everything money could buy. She's leaving home with a giant dildo. <laughs> Yeah, good riddance, bitch. <laughs> no. Dude, it's the guy's fault, man. What's he doing? What are you doing going through someone else's mail, first of all? And secondly, and most importantly, especially with your daughter, some things you just don't want to know. You don't want to know. Why would you put yourself in that position? Oh, Jesus. Ugh. I have many thoughts on this. You don't want to know certain aspects of your daughter's life, okay? Don't be snooping around. You don't want to find certain things. You just don't want to have it on your mind. Okay? It's better you don't know, I'd say. But what about this? Aren't you happy that she's handling herself instead of some other dude? If you opened that box and you saw that, you'd be like, oh, that's good. As as long as she's not out with some creepy weirdo. Some creepy weirdo that might find out what time she comes into work and just happen to coincidentally be in the same area. That she parks her car. <laughs> yeah, one of those creeps. You can avoid that. Yeah, you just you stay home and you use this toy on yourself and uh, be safe. That's what I'd be thinking. And I'd wrap that thing back up, wrap the box back up. And be like, oh, I didn't see nothing. They must not have packaged it properly. I didn't look at anything. What the fuck is wrong with you, man? You know, this makes me think of other things. <clears throat> Isn't it weird? I thought this the other day. Uh, my brother-in-law asked me to play in this golf tournament coming up. Now, look, I am, I am, I am in no position to be playing in any tournaments when it comes to golf. I think that goes without saying. I mean, there are times where I nail a great shot. I'm like, oh my god, I'm good at golf now, and then uh, it doesn't last long. Then it's back to shitville, party of one, and uh, yeah, so. I have, I have no business being in a golf tournament. And I told him that. My words exactly. And he goes, look, man, it's a charity my friend does. He's like, no one really cares. Everyone's just out there drinking, having fun. 
He's like, no one really gives a fuck about the golf part of it. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I guess you can count me in. But I was thinking, you know, I've hung out with him before, but not anything like this. Um, and I was just like, why would you want to hang out with the guy that's banging your sister? <laughs> Isn't that weird? Isn't that a weird thought? Hey, you're banging my sister. We should hang out. <laughs> or even worse, if it's your son-in-law, you're banging my daughter. Here, let me give you a hug for the holidays. <laughs> hey, happy Easter. Give me a hug, guy that bangs my daughter. <laughs> oh, man. James, you're missing the point. It's like he gained a son. I don't want a son. I'd rather have my daughter and a big Amazon dildo. That's what I'd like. I'd hug that thing every every Easter. Hey, hey, uh, dildo. Nice to see you again. Ugh. Give me a hug. <laughs> it's just so weird. I'm 38 years old. Maybe I should be adult enough to uh, get over that, but um, I don't know, dude. When uh, when my daughter starts bringing someone around, am I going to be like, hey, put her there, pal? <laughs> so weird. Anyway, uh, did I did I cross a weird thought line on that one? I don't know. I'll keep you posted. Anyway, anyway, this was uh, Daddy Danger, and the whole moral was. Don't be snooping around and putting your nose where it don't belong. <laughs> Why'd I turn into Ray Liotta right there? Hey, Karen. K- Karen. <laughs> anyway, to all you daddies out there, you don't, some things you just don't want to know. Your life will be better off, okay? And the last words that you want to hear <laughs> coming out of your daughter's mouth is, I hate you. I wish you were fucking dead or whatever she said. Yeah, you don't want that. So don't be snooping around through a dildo boxes. And this has been Daddy Danger. <laughs> Oh, daddy danger. Speaking of daddy. How do you do it, James? Nobody knows. Uh, I have something of a confession to make. I knew it, James. What's his name? That is none of your goddamn business. Uh, I told you a couple episodes ago that the mask mandate was lifted at my kid's school and that mostly all the kids were kind of traumatized and wanted to leave the masks on. And I was giving them shit like, you can't be like that. You got to get rid of them, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, stop, stop acting like that, right? And since then, they've mostly, I guess most of the kids have removed them, but there's still a, a handful that still keep them on. But anyway, I was at work, or I went to work one day. It was, I had a day off the previous day, and so I walk in, I think it was a Friday. I walk in, and nobody's wearing a mask. And uh, my boss looks at me, and he goes, oh, hey, uh, you know, we don't have to wear masks anymore. I'm like, oh, really? And I ripped the thing off. And I said, burn your bras, boys. And uh, they start chuckling and shit. And I sit down and I felt so uncomfortable and naked without my mask on. <laughs> so I know exactly how they were feeling. Because it's, it's been two years that I haven't seen any of these people's faces, really. We've all been covered. And I just felt like I, felt like I didn't know what to do with my face. Which sounds dumb. But... It was just weird. I just I didn't know how to how to have my resting bitch face. <laughs> so uh, at that moment, I'm like, ah, I feel like an asshole because I was giving my kids shit. And look at me, look at me, feeling the same way. Anyway, I just thought it was important that you know it takes a really strong man to admit maybe when he was wrong. James, are you saying that you're wrong? I didn't say that. Okay, moving right along. Speaking of kids, uh, my boy. He made a recovery from his minor arm injury, and now he's back playing baseball. He's doing really great. Uh, he's getting back to his old fighting shape. And 
in fact, that's how I'm able to scream and yell into a microphone tonight because he's at practice and that, that's what we've been waiting for, for him to get out of the house because I can't do this while everyone's around. It's too weird. So uh, anyhow, this summer they have a big tournament coming up. It's pretty much like the mother of all travel baseball tournaments and it's going to be in Cooperstown, New York, the home of the Baseball Hall of Fame. And so they got to go out there. This lasts for a whole week. They get to stay in this dorm, like military style. Their whole team all stays together. So it's going to be like a summer camp, That's which is pretty cool and fun for them. They play games during the week, and it's a, it's a whole all baseball the whole week. Um, and so it's like looking at all the logistics and shit. I won't bore you with the details, but the flights and it, – because it's kind of like up in eh, – I don't know if it's like upstate New York. It's like away from everything. So it's like three and a half hours from JFK. And so just all the logistics. I'm like, you know what? It's going to cost so much fucking money to the flights and renting a car and blah, blah, blah. I was like, let's just drive. I told the wife, she's like, you want to drive out of New York? That's so much driving. Oh, it's going to be boring. I'm like, no, no, no. We're going we're gonna to do it right. So I told her like, hey, we're, we're canceling all the other plans we had for the summer, all the other trips that we were thinking of. I'm like, let's just focus on this. Let's just, let's just use this as an opportunity and see all kinds of shit we would never see go to places we would never go, and uh, see the country. And, you know, the spirit of adventure. And she's like, okay, let's do it. I'm like, all right. So she's in. The kids are not happy about it because it's going to be boring, right? But I was like, all right, we're doing it. So a couple weeks ago, we're watching my boy play a baseball game. My parents show up, and we're all in the outfield away from everybody underneath my easy up, really really living the dream. And uh, we're having small talk. And I go, oh, so uh, about his uh, baseball tournament in New York, I'm like, we... We decided we're just going to drive there. My mom's like, oh, good. That's a good idea. Yeah, that's better. And a couple episodes, I mentioned that my parents went on a long road trip because my dad wanted to go to Notre Dame. He's always wanted to go see that, that school. And he didn't get to watch a football game there. He just wanted to go look at the place. <laughs> and that's in Indiana. So they drove from California to Indiana. And uh, anyway, he goes, oh, yeah. He goes, that's good. He goes, oh, every opportunity you get, you should stop at Love's. I'm like, what's loves? Oh, they're gas stations. I'm like, you're telling me to stop at gas stations? Oh, man. It was kind of like the highlight of our road trip. I'm like, you're telling me the highlight of your road trip was stopping at gas stations. Well, you're, it's not like normal gas stations. They're really big, and they've got these, all kinds of stuff you can buy, and they've got everything. I'm like, I don't care. I'm like, I want to stop in national parks. I want to see beautiful nature. I want to see famous architecture. Like, I want to see all kinds of other stuff, not gas stations. Oh, but these are not like normal gas stations. Some of them even have their own dog parks. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, that's a great idea, actually, because people travel with their animals. And they get to get out and run around, and then they're going to spend a bunch of money while they're there. So, yeah, that's genius. But still, this was the highlight of your road trip, stopping at Love's gas stations. Well, just wait till you see one and you stop there. Then you'll know what I'm talking about. My <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, my God. Listen to that. Can I, can I repeat it again? The highlight of our road trip was stopping at these different Love's gas stations. Oh, that should tell you all you need to know about my old man. And to remind you again, he drove all the way to Notre Dame and didn't watch a football game. And he also stopped in New Mexico at the Breaking Bad restaurant Los Boyos Hermanos and didn't order chicken. He ordered a burger. <laughs> I still can't get over that one. Anyway, we're all excited about this trip. Should be an epic journey. And uh, I'll let you know all about it later. And especially my thoughts on the Love's gas station. <laughs> uh. All right, speaking of baseball and New York. Oh my God, James, you're on a roll. You're goddamn right. 
So there's a story I saw on the internet. I, you know, I had to verify it. It is true. And I couldn't fucking believe it. I never heard of it before. It's old. You probably know it. But if not, here you go. So it was 2001, the World Series, between the Arizona Diamondbacks and the New York Yankees. And it comes down to Game 7 in New York. And Mariano Rivera, the famous pitcher, he just couldn't get the job done in the ninth inning. And he gave up some runs, and they fucking lost. They lost the World Series, right? Now, this guy named Enrique Wilson, who was on the Yankees, he already had his flight booked like a week later because he figured, oh yeah, we're going to win, and then I'm going to hang around for a bit, join in on the fucking the celebration parade, all that stuff, then I'll go home to the Dominican Republic. So, once they lost, he's like, well, well I guess why am I going to hang around here? I'm just going to go back home, move my flight up a bit. And so that's what he did. But little did he know that that flight that he was going to be on, which was American Airlines Flight 587, leaving New York for the Dominican Republic, it fucking crashes in Queens. And everybody on board dies. And I think like five people on the ground. It, it crashed into a, a Queens neighborhood. Now look, I've ne- and this happened like soon after 9-11. And I never heard of this shit. Maybe you have. But uh, I was like, oh, no way. And so if they would have won the World Series, he would have died in that plane crash. Isn't that fucking crazy? And uh, Mariano Rivera was like, you know, oh, I'm just, I'm happy that we lost. I don't know how he sounds, but <laughs> I'm happy that we lost because now my friend is alive. I'm sure that's a terrible accent, but uh, man, shit like that is blows my mind. Like little things like that. Like, man, I could have been dead. No, you know, there was a similar story of someone that missed a flight that crashed into the building in 9-11. Some famous dude like overslept and missed his flight and he would have died. Crazy shit. Well, they're dead. All right, now I think it's a great time to check in with our radio affiliate and get a look at sports. K-G-A-Y, And now for your K-Gay Sports Report, we take you live to sports expert Dan Drizzles. Tiger Woods lost the Masters, further proving he still can't drive. And that was your KK Sports Report brought to you by Mr. Dimples Golf Balls. The more dimples, the better the ride. K-G-A-Y, And now it's time for another edition of Stallone. Stands alone. Sylvester Stallone is a fine American actor. Some would even argue the greatest actor to ever grace the screen. One might wonder what if Sylvester Stallone was cast in a movie as opposed to the actor that was actually in the movie. Would it have been better? Well, today we find out the answer to that very question when we place Sylvester Stallone in Happy Gilmore, playing Adam Sandler's character of Happy Gilmore. And here it goes. Golf's no different from hockey. It requires talent and self-discipline. Hey, yo, like, golf requires goofy pants and a fat ass, you know? You should talk to my neighbor, the accountant. Probably a great golfer. Huge ass. 
Hey, I bet your neighbor the accountant can't drive the ball 400 yards, and I bet that neighbor accountant doesn't have a shot to get in the pro tour. Hey, Ole, how would I do that? You win the Open tomorrow, and you're automatically on the pro tour. Then who knows? Maybe you'll win the tour championship one day. Get that gold jacket that I never got. Hey, you're like, gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit? You know? Well, I for one think it's abundantly clear that Stallone brought a much deeper depth and complexity to the character of Happy Gilmore. But alas, it was not meant to be. Thank you for joining us on another edition of Stallone Stands Alone. All right, and now it's time to start closing the show out with a little segment I like to call I Fancy That. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's... I fancy that. Fancy, fancy, fancy. Fancy, fancy, robotic. All right, I fancy that is a segment in which I talk about something that makes me happy. Something positive. Something that I fancy. <laughs> All right, so uh, this time, oh boy. Oh boy. They have released a deleted scene from The Batman. You know, I got shit from uh, The Bearded Cunt because... I gave up some spoilers, but you know what? I'm gonna tell you something. Uh, I'll say that. For, I'll say that for. Uh, I'll say that for the fuck you. How's that, bearded cunt? Hmm? Please stand by. Uh, anyway, there's a deleted scene, and it's not spoilers because you know it's on the YouTube's. You can watch it or you can't watch it. Whatever. It doesn't involve. It's not involved in the original movie, but it's like a five six minute clip, and it's a really well done scene in which the in which Batman goes to Arkham Asylum to to talk to the Joker, to try to get some information out of him. So this establishes that they have a rapport, that he knows him, you know. Uh, they have conversations, and he's all fucked up looking, which I loved. So Joker's supposed to have been dropped into like a vat of chemicals and like acid or some shit. And so he's supposed to look all fucked up, you know, which he, he did look fucked up in... Uh, you know, Heath Ledger's version, but this guy's really messed up looking like the worst version you've ever seen real close to the video games and some of the comic portrayals. But, uh, my point is dude, this guy, I think he nailed it and some people are shitting on it, but most people, the comments I saw, they're praising him because it was so well done. I thought, and there's such a creepy, sinister, sick vibe with this, with this clip. I'm like, Oh my God, it could be so amazing. The next movie, if they feature him in it, because I was kind of getting Joker fatigue myself. Like, all right, enough. What? Who else is out there? Let's get someone else. But once I saw it, I'm like, oh, yes. Like, this is the character, man. This guy's nailing it. Most of the time in all these other movies, it's just like, ah, well, there's like elements, but it's not the real character. Uh, the closest one, I think, is probably Mark Hamill in the animated series, but he has a cartoon. But just like, you know, this this character is so complex and so many layers and can and can be calm and then become a complete psycho and then go back to being calm and like just all over the place just completely unpredictable and uh i don't know man this this actor seemed like he he did a great job and i like that look and oh my god i know i know you're like all right nerd move it along <laughs> but it's my fancy and I, I i really liked what i saw and uh man i hope 
I hope they go in, in this like dark fucking waters in the next one. And they even, eh, I won't spoil it. I won't spoil nothing. But um, I'm excited for what they can do, man. I'm excited. So if that's any if that's any window into what's coming next, then I'm all in. So I fancy that. All right, next up. I got to say this, man. This is a pretty, pretty big deal for, uh, it was just nice as a parent for me to see this. So anyway, I'll cut to the chase. I've been known to ramble on occasion. <laughs> you don't say it, James. All right. So my boy really wanted this new bat, right? He's back in baseball and he's like, oh, oh man, I used my friend's bat and oh, it's so good. It's so good. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's not some magic bat. It's it's all about you. If you get your proper mechanics down, it doesn't matter what bat you're using. You'll do a good job. No, man, this bat is so good. And uh, he's going on and on and on. He, was, he became like obsessed looking up the bat and it's like this Louisville slugger and it was like three something. I'm like, you're crazy. Now I've already invested in a couple like professional gloves because this kid is a lefty and uh, I don't know if you know this if you're not a baseball person but if you're left-handed you you can't play too many positions so you can only be like a pitcher first baseman and the outfield the rest they won't allow it the true baseball people will not allow it so it sucks because he could outplay other kids at different positions but because he's left-handed he can't do it and so I don't know if you're aware of this but if you're a, a first baseman you need a special first baseman's glove so I hooked this kid up with some pro gear. I'm like, all right, man, you're set for a long time. Just take good care of this shit. Because what he had was kind of kind of falling apart. It was cheap. So I hooked him up. I'm like, there's no way I'm getting you a bat. And he's like, fine. I have money saved up. I'm going to work. I'm going to help uh, mom, this and that. Uh, we recently had uh, another litter of puppies. And uh, we're getting rid of most of them. And he's been like helping the wife clean up their shit and stuff. And so she's been like, oh, I'll pay I'll pay you if you help me. And then he's like, yeah, okay, okay. And he's all pumped and he saw this bat that he wants, exact same bat on eBay. And he's like, oh, oh, it's only like, I think it was like uh, 90 bucks. It's only $90. I'm like, hmm, that's a starting bid. Oh, I'm gonna, please bid on it for me. Bid, bid. I go, no, 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 no. Oh, come on, please, please, please. It's my money. I'm like, you don't know this game, man. You got to wait till the end to bid. Just, just wait. But it closes in five days. And this kid fucking in agony was watching the bids every day. And he's like, they haven't bid nothing. It's still the same price. I'm like, all right, cool. And then the last day, like a couple hours before, oh, someone bid, someone bid. And it started going up and up and up. And then it went to like 190 bucks. Like, oh man, that's too much. I'm like, yeah, I told you. And he's all heartbroken, devastated. Cut two. Uh, we're watching his game. My parents, they're like I said, my mom's like, hey, what does he want? I go, what do you mean? What does he want? Like, what does he want for his birthday? I'm like, his birthday is a long time from now. I know, but uh, give me, give me some, give me something so I, I have an idea of what to get him later. She's like, yeah, because he never wants anything. And I go, yeah, I know. And that's just the way he is. You know, he never cares about wanting stuff. And then I go, well, the only, <laughs> actually, what he's been really obsessed with is his bat that his friend that he, his friend has that he used and he likes it a lot. And she's like, okay. She's like, uh what is it? Which one is it? I'm like, no, nah, it's like, it's probably like almost 300 bucks. She's like, that's okay. I'm like, what do you mean? That's okay. That's a lot of money. And she's like, well, you know, he needs something. He needs, he needs a bat for his tournament coming up in the summer. And so if he, I shall get it from now and then it'll be ready for him to use by then. I was like, dude, it's a lot of money. And she's like, that's okay. He's worth it. You know, he, he doesn't ask for anything. I'm like, all right. She's like, tell me which one it is. So I look it up online. I'm like, oh, they don't even, they don't have any at the store and over here. And I go, well, the only one they have is like the new edition of that same bat, but it's this year's model. And she's like, she's like, okay. I'm like, well, it's more money though. <laughs> and she's like, do they have it? I'm like, yeah, they do. So she fucking leaves, goes to the store and comes back 
with the fucking bat. She's like, oh, it's in the, it's in the car. I'm like, are you serious? He really did that. And she's like, yeah. She's like, you know, he hardly wants anything. And I'm, I want to do this for him. So I couldn't believe that shit. I mean, back in my day, a bat was like super cheap. Now it's insane. And so she fucking got it. And when we're about to leave the, the ballpark, she's trying to pull a fast one on him. She's like, uh, oh, she's like, oh, come here real quick. And he's like, huh? She's like, here, get this, uh, get this thing real quick and put it in your dad's truck. And he's like, oh, what is it? And she's like, well, come and get it. And she opens the door and like the bat is down by her feet. And he, his eyes fucking go bigger than I've ever seen them. And he's like, oh, and he takes this deep breath and he says nothing. And he's like, oh, what? And he looks at me. He's like, what, what? what dude he was he was blown away and uh just like that moment was so fucking awesome how excited he was and like so happy he was and grateful and like giving them hugs and shit and i was like oh man that's awesome it's fucking killer just getting to see that moment and then yeah this is what i really want to get to though this is the build up all right the next week she's like oh we'll come back next week and watch his games we want to see him use it and i was like all right so they're running a little bit late and uh, my kid's team is batting first and then he's coming up. He's like fifth, fifth to bat or something. And I'm standing, I go filming it, but I'm all the way in the outfield away from everybody <laughs> with the easy up and I'm filming it from out there and he's up to bat. Dude, the first fucking pitch, he, cr- he cranks on it and launches it over my head home run and I'm like, no shit. And I happen, I turn around and I'm seeing the ball bouncing on the floor behind me. And then my parents are walking up and they're like, oh my God, that was awesome. So they walked up like right as this kid fucking launches a home run first pitch with the brand new bat that they just got him. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. It was just killer. All of it. All of that. I fancy that. And also I got another one here. Uh, yeah, I know. Full of positivity this week. Who knew? I have to give a big, fat, big, fat fancy to all the people that helped. I had a Super Bowl pool to raise money for this Cooperstown trip because it's expensive as shit, as you probably know. But I didn't mention that. Just to play in the tournament, each player is required to pay $1,300. $1,300 for this tournament just to play in it. Um, well, that's not true. It's, it's actually covering the whole week. They're going to be there. They get to, they're going to stay like in a military style dorm, like all the teams in to stay together. And so they're going to have like a, it's like a week long fucking summer camp and they're all going to be hanging out together. There's a fucking pool there. All their food is included. Their, their jerseys for the games. It's all included, but it's 1300 bucks. I'm like, fuck. And so I put like the coach told me beforehand during the you know earlier months before, hey, a uh, good idea for uh, to to raise money for the Cooperstown thing is to make a Super Bowl pool, and just try to get all the money in that. I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. So that's what I did, and fuck man, I hit everybody up, and a lot of people came through, and I wound up selling all the squares, and dude, just just that was such a relief, and I'm so fucking grateful to everyone that did that. And it's such a, like I said, just such a relief knowing like, okay, that's paid for. I'm not fucking rich by any stretch of the imagination. I don't have hardly any fucking money. You might look at me and think otherwise. You might hear this swagger in the voice and think, oh, this guy must be loaded. Ha! Ha ha! So, uh, goddamn, that was, 
such a relief. And um, I just want to say a big, fat, fucking, I fancy that to all of you out there that helped out with that. I really appreciate it. So all that stuff. Once again, I fancy that. All right. And now it's time for the darker side of life. That's right. It's time for the fuck you moment. And here we go. Fuck you. Alright, the fuck you moment is the opposite of I fancy that. It's where I get to be negative again. You thought I was going to end on a positive note. You fool! But uh, here are my true colors. So yes, I get to bitch, whine, jump up and down, piss and moan about something. So uh, alright, here we go. I got a few. First and foremost, my daughter just turned 15 recently and holy shit, fuck you to my life because I feel so old. Right? A 15-year-old. And she's already like, I'm going to be driving next year. I'm like, yeah, not so fast there, little lady. Yeah, you can only drive if I say it's okay. <clears throat> but just the thought of her being behind the wheel and uh, moving around through life doesn't sit well with me. <laughs> so anyway, uh, it was her birthday recently. And I'm like, hmm, I really didn't plan anything. I really dropped the ball, like as per usual. So I'm like, what can we do? Something a little different. I looked up uh, events happening at that weekend, and Joe Coy was doing a show at the Forum. And there was tickets available still. I'm like, yeah, she'll probably like that. And I even sent her a text. I'm like, hey, uh, would you be interested in watching a stand-up comedy on your birthday? And she's like, yeah, okay. So I got tickets for her, me, and the wife. And so we go to the Forum. We get in there, and we're all the way at the freaking nosebleeds, man. We're like five rows from the top. Uh, you know, that was all that was left. And look, my fuck you goes to these assholes in the robe in front of us, man. So fucking rude. I mean, it's one thing if you're in a movie theater, and there's people talking, or someone's using their cell phone or something, right? You know how annoying that is? Try being at a comedy show, and people are having full-on conversations, Having nothing to do with the show. They're not even paying attention. It's like, what the fuck are you doing here? Why did you spend the money, come out here, parking, LA, you know the whole deal, just to sit up here and be babbling and not even paying attention? It was unbelievable. And these guys were just, you know, I well, I know why. They were drinking like crazy. This one dickhead, he was sitting like, you know, two people to my right. And every time he got up, everyone had to stand up so he can get out. And he'd go and he'd come back quickly with two drinks and he'd fucking down them pretty quickly and then get right back up. Everyone has to stand up and he just kept happening and his fucking loser wife or girlfriend, same shit. She kept getting up like the rich double fisting and these people next to them were doing the same shit just constantly up and down, up and down, up and down. And so people are standing up in front of our, in our view and, uh, and sitting down and then hearing them talk and just you can barely hear the show sometimes like, ah. Uh, Sort of almost ruined the fucking night. And to my right, there were three old Filipinos that were asleep. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing here? Why did you come here to sleep? I know you want to support your fellow Filipino, but come on. Anyway, I, I had no problem with them. They were actually great because they didn't say a fucking word. Uh, I actually, I looked over and thought they might have been dead at one point because they were not moving. But yeah, these other assholes. Who does that? Who does that? How fucking rude, man. <sighs> anyway, uh, oh, oh, and I'll tell you this, man, during the show, so it's my wife all the way on the left, and then my daughter's between us, and I'm on the right, and we're sitting, like, we're kind of, like, looking to the right, down, 
just slightly to the right. And uh, Joe Coy is talking about this uh, this bit about sucking dick. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my god, this is not what I want to be hearing while I'm sitting next to my 15 year old daughter. And yeah, I already told you that it's probably going to be inappropriate, but I didn't think he'd be going on this long. This bit about sucking dick lasted a while. And I'm laughing, and I'm not looking to my left. And later on, when we got home, my wife is like, she goes, hey, I saw that you were so uncomfortable when he was talking about sucking dick, and you weren't, you weren't, you weren't turning your head at all. I'm like, yeah, yep, you're right. She's like, I was laughing so hard. But from seeing you just keep looking straight, you never looked over. <laughs> you looked so uncomfortable. I'm like, yes, I was. <laughs> ah. Oh, man. But, but, but fuck, oh, but fuck you to those assholes. Never in my life will I understand someone doing that in any kind of a show, movie theater, whatever. It's, it's unbelievable. And I fuck you. All right, next up. Oh, this one goes out to me. That's right. Fuck you to me. And uh, I hate doing this because uh, anytime I can, I give them shit. But, you know, like I mentioned before, a real man can admit when he's wrong. And I did wrong by a certain listener. And maybe others, I can't confirm. I just heard from this one listener known as the bearded cunt. That's right, danger alumni. I have to apologize to him publicly because the last show I did, I gave major spoilers to the Batman. And the reason that happened, now look, I would never do that. But you did it, James. Yeah, I know. I would never purposely do it. But you did it. I know. I know. It wasn't on purpose. I fucking hate people that do that shit. I hate, I despise it more than anything. People that give spoilers with movies. People that fucking blow things. Because I've told you my famous, my famous spoiler that I've got when I was in high school. And it still scars me to this day. Some guy, and I look, spoilers if you haven't seen Fight Club <laughs> at this point. So I was in high school and it was Monday. Fight Club had just come out on Friday. And one of my friends goes, hey, did you guys see Fight Club? And I go, oh, no. And some other guy goes, yeah, it was great. He goes, could you believe that Brad Pitt was never real? I'm like, you fucking dick. And when I finally saw Fight Club, that was that was ruined for me, that experience. So, yeah, I get it. I mean, I didn't really do that. I didn't give away some huge reveal, but I still mentioned some shit that uh, I totally spoiled the fucking movie. And the reason that happened is because I had recorded some stuff before that and I had something go wrong with my recording and I had to go back like a few minutes. And so I had already said spoilers. Hey, spoilers. And so I had already in my head thought that I said it because I did the first time and I didn't realize I recorded over me saying that. So I never mentioned mentioned the spoilers. (laughs) So that's my bad, man. I I apologize. That's fucked up. Uh, I felt I felt terrible. And uh, you know what do you want from me? Here, if this isn't good enough for you, then go fuck yourself, James. Why are you getting defensive? I uh, you're right. I'm sorry. I am sorry for spoiling the Batman. It's my fault. I'll take full responsibility. It won't happen again. Oh, fuck me. Okay, and f- and finally, I know at this point this is old news, but um. I'm still triggered. <clears throat> triggered. Hashtag triggered. Fuck you to Will Smith. I, I, I can't believe it, man. I, I You know what? I'll be honest. When I put on the Oscars, I totally forgot they were on. And I think we just finished eating dinner. I'm like, oh yeah, the Oscars are on. And I put it on. And I put it on right when Will Smith won the Academy Award. 
and we were watching his speech, and I'm like, what's he rambling about? Like, what is he going on about? I had no idea that he smacked Chris Rock at this point. And the wife and I were like, what is, this is so bizarre. And then after I went to commercial, I looked up, I started, I just looked up online and I seen what happened. I'm like, oh shit, that's why. And I show the wife, she's like, oh my God, is that real? I was like, I think it is. And that would explain why he was being so weird during his speech. And so uh, anyway, you know, we all know what happened, but I can't look at the guy the same way. I'm just fucking like disgusted by looking at him. I, I, I don't understand how someone feels it's the right, the right thing to do is to walk up <laughs> and slap somebody. Knowing that there's millions of people watching and it's going to be filmed and it's on the internet. It's going to live forever. Like, why the fuck would you do that? The only explanation I can think of is that he, he just snapped and he lost his fucking mind. But I don't know, man. That was really bizarre. Really bizarre. And that, and that Jada chick, I don't know. That whole thing is fucking weird. It's really fucking weird. But uh, yeah, everyone loved Will Smith. Does he come? Does his career come back from this? I don't know. I don't know. I can't look at him anymore. I, I see him and I'm just like, Ugh, what a piece of shit. Because I fucking hate bullies, man. It drives me nuts. And then you've seen those those posts about this whole thing. Like, what if that was The Rock up there saying that? Then would you have done anything? <laughs> yeah. Then what? Big Willie style. Then what would you have done? Uh, yeah. But the the fucked up thing is also. They say that the people that project the most positivity are probably the biggest dirtbags. And this guy's always talking all positive and shit. And you, if you look back on his clips, they, they've been circulating. You'll see them on the interwebs. Like he'll be like, yeah, violence is never the answer. Love is the answer. He'll be talking like that, you know. And then for a nothing comment, a nothing comment, he, he goes up there and, and physically fucking slaps somebody. <laughs> so dumb. And then, uh, you know, I've heard comparisons to like, well, that's like Ellen. Ellen supposedly is a hardcore fucking bitch, but she's always out dancing and being all, oh, ho, ho, look at me. I'm having a good time with everybody. Same thing with Rosie O'Donnell. Remember her? Remember her show? Shooting cush balls and dancing and shit. And uh, she's supposed to be a piece of shit too. So maybe that's the, maybe that's the thing, man. Oh, oh, you ever heard of people that, uh, you, know, you know, this is an old one. People that really bash on the gays and they wind up being secretly gay. So maybe that's the uh, the outlook here, everybody. If you see someone that's super nice, extremely nice, maybe you shouldn't trust them. Like, look at me. I'm a dick. <laughs> a lot of people think I'm an asshole. Maybe that's because I'm a real good fella. It's the opposite. So uh, just mind your surroundings, everybody. And so in closing, to sum it up, to annoying, inconsiderate, rude fucking people during shows. Fuck you to me for spoiling the Batman. And fuck you to Will Smith and all you phony assholes out there really projecting this sweet, positive outlook when deep down, oh, deep down, we know what's going on. Fuck you! Fuck you! All right, that's going to do it. I appreciate you listening. But one last thing. Before I close it out, oh boy, got to end it on a sad one. Taylor Hawkins passed away. You all know it. And I found out the night of the Joe Coy show, right when I was walking into the place. I get a text from my cousin, my cousin Natalie. 
little piece of shit. She texts me that he died. I'm like, oh, what? And I look it up on the internet and, yep, confirmed. Like, oh, fuck. And I spared my wife the troubling news because I wanted her to enjoy herself. Thanks a lot, you little piece of shit, for trying to ruin my comedy night. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it. <laughs> nah, she didn't know. But, man, man, oh, man, this one, uh, this one hurts. It's near and dear to my heart. This guy's been a part of my life since uh, the 90s, man. It's fucking crazy. And he was so youthful and vibrant for 50 years old and full of life. And everyone, by all accounts, everyone loved this dude. Excellent musician. Fucking amazing. I've seen them live a bunch of times, but uh, man, oh man. So I know that he had some crazy OD like in 2000 or 2001 in which he was in a coma for like a week. And I thought he was going to die back then. And he pulled out of it. And I think Dave's like, hey, you can't be doing that stuff, man. You got to you gotta knock it off. Uh, and I, so I thought he's been clean this whole time. And maybe he has been. Maybe he just slipped up at the end. Who knows? I don't know. But I also feel fucking terrible for Dave Grohl having to go through this shit again two times. Fucking A. That is brutal. I'm sure you all know. You know, the first time with Cobain, Kurt Cobain, killing himself. And now this happens. Sort of the same thing. Killed himself. Um, don't think he was on purpose. But nevertheless, same outcome. And here's this fucking guy. Two hugely famous popular bands. And he loses a key element to it. Fucking ugh. Ugh. And they were like brothers. It's such a sad goddamn thing. But uh, yeah. He's, he's been the drummer of the Foo Fighters since 1999 with There's Nothing Left to Lose. I don't know if you're aware of this, but the very first album, Dave recorded it all himself. He did everything all himself and uh, put the name The Foo Fighters just as a placeholder. And then I just <laughs> just was stuck with it. Uh, and then he went, the next album was The Color and the Shape. And they actually had another drummer for that album. And the, they would play live with some other dude. And I guess the guy couldn't handle the recording and so Dave like re-recorded all the drums. So Dave did the drumming on the first two albums. And then Taylor jumped in, from my understanding, on the third album. Got him from Alanis Morissette. And he's been with them ever since. And the dude is fucking amazing. I actually love his voice. He's a great singer. And so uh, I'm going to play a song for you here at the end. It's a Foo Fighters song, but sang by Taylor Hawkins. I think written by him, too. And... uh just another one fucking too soon, man. Jesus Christ. It's like they're dropping like flies. It's like every fucking week someone else is dying. Some other legend. Enough. So this is Sunday Rain by Foo Fighters with uh, drumming and vocals by Taylor Hawkins. Thank you for all the gifts and for being a part of the soundtrack of my life. 